Hello and welcome to episode 84 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Culley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? I am doing great. How are you? Not bad. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing great. Well, uh, we have lots to talk about today. The trade deadline has passed earlier this week on Monday, and the Blue Jays were very active. They went absolutely bananas in terms of acquiring players. They got um, Stripling, Robbie Ray, Jonathan VR, uh, Taiwan Walker. They pretty much did what every Blue Jay fan wanted them to do this season, and that was commit to winning and get a lot of players and I mean so far we've been seeing the rewards not so much in terms of individual performance but the team continues to win they're now tied with the Yankees for second place in the AL East and I think they have momentum on their side at least the Yankees and Blue Jays both split their doubleheader last night but the Blue Jays are I think six and four in their last 10 Yankees, I think are five and five, but regardless, I think energy is on the Blue Jays side. Um, It's a really exciting time to be a Blue Jays fan. Blue Jays up to about 90% in terms of postseason odds, according to fan graphs, according to baseball reference, Um, really exciting stuff going on. But first let's talk about the deadline. Um, Just starting things off. How would you rate this deadline? What are your first thoughts? How would you rate it out of 10? Uh, I would give this deadline I would say eight and a half out of ten. Um, first of all, the moves that the Jays made were, you know, it, it made sense for the team. Uh, they made these moves without harming their future and without, you know, trading top prospects. They obviously had to give up uh, some player to be named later, which would be, you know, mid to lower end prospects in the organization. But I think the goal here was to somewhat buy without completely harming the farm system. And I think they did a very good job with that. And I think that we uh, we saw that actually be just because of also the players they got. Uh, they got only a few players out of the ones they traded for. I think it's just um, I believe it's just Ross Stripling now. Uh, other than you know beyond uh, under contract beyond this season, the rest are pretty much upcoming free agents. And I was going to include Vogel back there, but he didn't his thing or tenure with the Jays did not last long. Uh, but anyways, um, the first trade or uh, other than um, the Taiwan Walker trade and Vogel back trade. Uh, the Blue Jays first went out and got Robbie Ray from the Arizona Diamondbacks and cash for um, reliever Travis Bergen. And then the next the next trade, which was, um, you know, I th- probably the one that we all thought they needed the most and something we, t- we spoke about constantly, even after the Taiwan Walker deal, was getting Jonathan VR from the Miami Marlins. I know he's had a little bit of a, or he had a shaky first few games with the Jays, but uh, he played well last night. Uh, he was responsible for one of the RBIs and he, he came over for a player to be, player to be named later. He's also a free agent at the end of the year. And, of course, the one that kind of, uh, I would say, I don't know about you guys, it shocked me that we haven't had a chance to really talk about it just because it kind of came out of nowhere just when you thought they were done. They got Ross Stripling from the L.A. Dodgers for uh, a player to be named later. So there, you, there's three trades there other than Taiwan Walker. So um, three starting pitchers in total. And uh, the question now is when they're healthy or when, uh, Trent, sorry, when uh, Nate Pearson and Matt Shoemaker get healthy, where do all these pitchers fit in? So that's that's gonna be that's a good problem to have. It's better than having a problem of not knowing you know where to slot anybody in just because there wasn't enough arms. So the Jays going out and getting these players, I think it was really it was a really lo- low risk, which can be which can result in a high reward. And of course, Jonathan VR, who was pretty much needed the most out of one of these or out of these trades, just because of the injuries in the infield and the need for uh, more of a kind of a defensive infielder who can you know, who's versatile around the bases and pretty much around the infield, which is Jonathan VR, who can, you know, slot in at shortstop until Bo Bichette's healthy. And then uh, once Bichette is back, 
which uh, hopefully is soon. He can potentially move over and platoon at third base, move over to second base. Maybe Biggio gets more time in the outfield. It creates a lot of flexibility. And this was this trade deadline for me was an absolute success. Like I said, low risk, high reward. You didn't give up the, you didn't harm your future, and you and you still went down buying. So it's really it's a really fun time to be a fan right now. And for the first time, also in a, I would say what three four three years now that we're all checking the standings pretty much every day in the month of September. You know, getting close to the fall. Obviously, the shortened season made it feel really short, which it did. But it's crazy the pennant race they're in now. They're t- like you said, Mark. They're tied for second with the New York Yankees now. And of course, we know that second or finishing second in the division is also one of the playoff spots. And um, yeah, and then the Jays. Other and even if they don't finish second, they're in very good contention for that eighth wild card spot. So things are looking good for them right now. The way they keep playing, uh, they're, there's no reason why they don't make the playoffs, and they should based off of how they're playing. You know the way they're, they're um, the direction they're heading in. And it's, it's just a very fun time to be a Jays fan. And I think the deadline going out and getting these pieces really got some of the fans' confidence back. And, you know, it, it did sh- the front office did show the fans that, hey, even though we don't want to harm the future and we're not at that point where we're going all in, you know, all in, they're still very serious about this team and there's still no reason why they can't be buyers. And I think we saw that uh, this week. And, you know, every move they made, I'm very happy with. And like I said, the very last trade, with the Ross Stripling trade kind of threw me off guard because, you know, I guess we all thought that they were done for the day in terms of acquiring arms. That's not the case. And uh, Ross Stripling will be part of this team for the next three years now, guaranteed, as he's under contract. And then I guess the rest of the players will uh, will be dealt with in the offseason just because they're upcoming free agents. But a very good deadline for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree, say this is an 8 out of 10 because, you know, they acquired a bunch of guys that can help them now for the the last month of the season potentially in the playoffs but they didn't they didn't add to this team in or, or while taking away from their farm system and we know that you know back in 2015 when they depleted their farm system for uh, a shot at the ALCS I mean yeah that was a good team and it was a fun uh, playoff run but we saw once Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins came in after uh, Alex Anthopoulos left the Blue Jays had pretty much nothing good in their farm system for a while and the Blue Jays they didn't really give up uh these high leverage guys or even uh guys that people expect to be good so I mean you really can't complain too much uh one thing is that Stripling and uh Robbie Ray both had higher ERAs coming into the Blue Jays so I mean they're kind of betting on those two to rebound a little bit and you know kind of take this new opportunity and run with it although We've seen that happen in the past. Look at 2016 when they uh, acquired Jason Greeley and Joaquin Benoit. They were really good for them. Uh, even Greeley into the next season was, you know, he struggled a bit, but he was he was good for when they were in the playoffs. But uh, it's it's overall good. I mean, like we said, the Blue Jays they desperately needed starting pitching right now, and they went out and got that. Uh, Ross Stripling started the second game of the doubleheader yesterday against Boston. So I mean, that was good. I mean, it was a seven inning game, so he pitched four and a third so I mean most of the game was taken up by him so that's good and you know that's innings that your depleted and injured bullpen is not responsible for the only addition that I'm a little bit concerned about is the the VR addition because I mean he's a good player or I I hope he ends up being good but I, I don't know I just feel like these first what is it four five games that they've had with him he's just not been as good as I had expected uh it just just the little things we've 
we've talked about this at nauseum in the, in the past where the Blue Jays have just made such awful mistakes in the, on the bases. And VR had an issue at third base, I believe it was, against Miami where he's picked off where he expected a throw to be made to third or to second base, but they they didn't. They threw third. They picked him off. And, I mean, he had a few tough uh, tough plays up the middle when he was fielding in Miami, but he still, you know, he, he just... I don't. I don't want to say disappointed because it is. It has been a very small amount of games so far, but you know they need help right now. And if he's, you know, he's not going to hit for you. He's not going to do as well. Then I mean, you can argue that he's a better bench player than what they have right now in uh, Joe Panic, Travis Shaw, and uh, the outfielders that they've been bringing up. But it's just I don't know. I feel like he has been a bit disappointing. And I mean, once Bichette comes back, he'll probably. Uh, either just play on the bench or off the bench or take over second and move Biggio to the outfield. But I'm not sure. I just, that's the only deal where it's kind of not really impressed me so far. But overall, I think it's a good trade deadline. Like you said, Bryson, with Ross Stripling, he's under contract till 2023. So it's overall, I would say it's a good deal. They, they added to this team and they on paper made this team better and they didn't do so at the, at the risk of, or with the risk of, you know, depleting their farm system. And it's just overall, it's, it's it's good, and it's good to see playoff baseball or a playoff race, and I'm excited about what these guys can do for the team. Jacob, I'll say what you might not be willing to say, and I think Jonathan VR has been a disappointment. Um, he, when the Blue Jays first acquired him, there was kind of the impression from Miami, there was a few reporters who tweeted this, that he was a reckless player that Miami saw him as a reckless player who, you know, despite making consistent mistakes on the base pass, um, maybe defensively doesn't really improve off of those mistakes. And, you know, I wasn't too worried about that just hearing it. I mean, the Blue Jays have been reckless in and of themselves the entire season, which we're going to talk about later. But seeing him in action, I see what those scouts mean. I see what those reporters mean. And, Honestly, like I said, I think it makes me feel like so far VR has been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, he's made, as you mentioned, Jacob, some base running errors, um, some fielding mistakes, although not to the same extent. So to me, VR has been a little bit of a disappointment, but again, still an improvement off of the Blue Jays' current bench, which is exactly what the Blue Jays needed to do, what the front office needed to do. Um, in total, I'd say if I was giving this trade deadline, a number rating, um, just going back to the acquisition of Taiwan Walker, really strong acquisition, as well as the guys like Ross Stripling, who is under team control for a few more years, and then some rentals who can help improve the team now. I think I'm right on board with you guys. I'll give it a little bit lower, a seven, just because, like I said, Jonathan VR. And another complaint I have is that a lot of these guys aren't under team control. Like we mentioned, Robbie Ray, Jonathan VR, Taiwan Walker, um, they're just rentals, which I think is a little bit weird, especially when you're looking at this team as a team that should be developing for future seasons, right? Like this isn't a season that the Blue Jays were supposed to be competing. So what I wanted to see at this trade deadline was see them get some talent that, yeah, they might add a few wins right now, but mainly they're going to be adding wins down the road. So it was a little bit weird that we saw a lot of rental acquisitions, but again, can't complain too much. Um, another weird thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that a lot of these guys are struggling right now. Like Jonathan VR isn't, he's had good numbers this season, but and, and Tyvon Walker isn't, but Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling are both struggling right now. 
You know, they're not pitching the best. Stripling has a good career um, average, good career numbers, but this season he's been rough off the mound in the bullpen and in the starting rotation for Los Angeles. Um, same thing with Robbie Ray. He has relatively good career numbers, some ups and downs over the years with Arizona, but this season, you know, he had an ERA upwards of seven, right? So I find it kind of weird that the Blue Jays are getting rentals, but at the same time, they're getting guys who aren't pitching well right now. So that's kind of confusing, another thing that doesn't totally make sense. But again, overall, um, I think it was a really good deadline for the Blue Jays. Um, they did what they had to do. They got pitching depth, they got some controllable talent, and they got uh, depth in terms of their bench, in terms of their infield. So I think it was a really strong deadline for them. Um, now a question for you guys. Do you think the Blue Jays should have pushed harder or pushed less hard in terms of acquiring talent? Because... On the, the the one side of things, we saw the Blue Jays, you know, involved in names like Lance Lynn. We saw them involved in names like Mike Clevenger on the Cleveland baseball team, but they didn't end up acquiring that talent. Clevenger, of course, he went to the Padres, I believe. Lynn didn't go anywhere. Um, but you have these guys, these big names that the Blue Jays were involved in that they ended up striking out on. And at the same time, on the other side of the coin, you have this season where the Blue Jays are not supposed to be winning. They're not supposed to be doing well this year, and yet they are. So are the Blue Jays kind of, you know, sending prospects and costing them their future um, and pushing too hard for prospects or, or for talent getting on the other way? So um, what do you guys think? Are they too aggressive or not aggressive enough, this trade deadline? Uh, I think they were just pretty – I think they were uh, perfect with their approach because, again – if you want, you know, when you're trading player to be named laters and mid to lower end prospects, that's what you're going to be getting in return. You're going to be getting, you're going to be getting a lot of um, players who are rentals and upcoming free agents with no team control. And if you want to be, you know, and if you, from the standpoint of the Jays, wanted to be more aggressive, then that's when you're getting into top ten, top twenty prospects. That's when you're going to be going into your um, prospects a little bit more. And I believe um, there's discussion for. You know, what would the Blue Jays potentially give up for a trade for Mike Clevenger if they did so? And a lot of people were saying, you know, top press prospect Jordan Groshans probably would have been included in the package. And then that's where that could be potentially harming your future. Yet Clevenger is also under team control for a few years. So it's a it's a little bit of a um, it's it's a little bit of a risky situation when you're from the Jays standpoint, especially because they weren't supposed to compete this year. And I'm happy that they didn't end up doing that because I feel like that would have been a trade that Maybe it would have been, you know, maybe something to regret in a few years. And I'm happy that they stuck on to their core of prospects. And I think they were perfect with their approach. You know, you, you wanted to do something. You couldn't have done nothing. And, you know, you, you need to show the fans and you need, you need to show the players and coaches that, you know, you're serious about this team competing and the way they've played the past few weeks. And, um, you know, yeah, the way they've played the past few weeks, they've been showing that they are legitimate. And I know that some of these players have struggled so far. Um, you know, one play in particular, I'm sure everyone knows this as well with Jonathan VR is when, you know, he hit that soft single up the center field and he tried stretching that into a double, which completely, uh, wasn't even, it wasn't even close. And then, um, but you know what, I'm fine with Jonathan VR. I think he'll be okay. I think he's trying to over impress a little bit, but give him some time. We know the player he is. He's not a superstar, but he's a good MLB player who can, uh, platoon around the infield and come off the bench and it's a good fit for the Blue Jays. They needed somebody like that. They're currently down Bo Bichette, who has been their best, arguably their best player this year, or best hitter, one of them at least. So you needed to do something. And then when it comes to the other, the other pitchers like Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling, um, 
you know, it is a little concerning to see the numbers that high. But the one thing I want to mention to you guys, and I don't even know if you knew this, I found out a few days ago, is that, you know, a lot of people are saying about Robbie Ray, which is one of the reasons why his ERA is so high this year, is because, I don't know if you guys have seen, but Robbie Ray changed his um, wind-up this year. He he tried doing less of a, a wind-up because he wanted to uh, relieve stress on his arm. And he was doing that throughout March, and then he did it when summer camp started again. And... Uh, you know the numbers. What's I mean? You can't call it a you can't not you can't call it a coincidence because I think it is. Uh, his numbers have spiked uh, since trying that new form, and I think before he was traded to the Jays, he started going back to the old. Um, he started going back to the old form in which he's throwing more of a windup, and a lot of people are thinking that you know him working with Pete Walker as well that could potentially help him. And I think you know he has he had a good appearance out of the bullpen a few days ago. Uh, he was uh, the op- he w- he came after um, Julian Merriweather for the opener, and I think that's something that the Jays might revisit again with Robbie Ray. And uh, I'm I'm not too worried about Robbie Ray. I'm confident that Pete Walker could um, potentially help him. He's one of the best around the league for you know in terms of his reputation as a pitching coach. Ross Stripling as well, maybe a little bit concerning, but he's somebody that I think Charlie Montoya is going to love. You know, somebody that can come out of the bullpen, somebody who can start, somebody who could be an opener. It just it fits Charlie Montoya's philosophy completely so it's a perfect fit but you know these players there's no there's no question that they're going to help and you know Taiwan Walker as well you know another solid start out of him he's had two straight good starts now as a Blue Jay and um, you know this team is slowly creeping towards the playoffs more and more you know they're competitive with the Yankees which which tells you something and um, you know I'm happy this front office didn't go too overboard by potentially giving up key pieces to their future. Yeah, in terms of big names, I really don't think they should have, and I'm happy that they didn't because, you know, the Blue Jays, they have some good prospects. I mean, like you mentioned Jordan Groshan. I think we can all say that Austin Martin's an untouchable, even though if you're going to go for a big-name pitcher, you know, no GM is stupid. They know the Blue Jays have guys like that. Uh, Nate Pearson technically still a prospect, so they could say, we want Pearson, and I, I think that he's also untouchable. So, I mean... If you're going to go for a big-name guy, the Blue Jays just, right now, I don't think can, just because people are going to ask intentionally for something or for a for a player that's better than what the Blue Jays want to give up just because they have that, and just th- that would not make any sense. But, I mean, it's different if you have team control because, you know, the interesting thing is this year, we've, there's only 60 games and they've played more than half of that. So, I mean, are you really going to give up a prospect for, you know, two or three starts out of a guy, I don't think so. You know, if it's a player to be named later and it's a lower-end prospect, then sure, but you're not going to give up Austin Martin for two or three starts of Mike Clevenger's. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, I think what we've seen ever since this new management took over back in uh, 2016, the Blue Jays are not going to go out and get these big-name guys. They're going to get these under-the-radar guys. Or, in this case, guys that have struggled relatively, and they're going to work with them, and they're going to make them a lot better they're going to help rebound them and I'm happy with that I mean even before Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro took over we saw back in prior to the 2015 season when Marco Estrada was traded uh, acquired he uh he was not what the Blue Jays or what fans really wanted they said well why did you trade Adam Lind for a guy that's not been very good and then well he ended up being their ace for a few years so I mean I'm happy with that you know these low risk potentially high reward deals are typical of the management and I mean 
it, it's perfect in my opinion. I'm, I think it's funny. We've kind of seen that all throughout Toronto sports, except for the odd uh, really good player getting acquired. You know, they get these under-the-radar guys or they try to internally develop guys. And, I mean, it's it's so far worked out. I mean, the Blue Jays, they were good, sort of, with a lack of fundamentals. They were good up until the trade deadline. And, you know, they got these guys that have the potential to help them. And with Ross Stripling, obviously, he's under team control. So, I mean, it, it's just overall it's good. I wouldn't want any like I said, prospects, any top-rated prospects to go for, you know, a few starts or a few games out of a guy. So, I mean, if, if you're somebody on the outside saying, well, why didn't you go out and get Mike Clevenger? Just think, like I said, do you really want to trade a top prospect for a few starts? No, it just it just doesn't make sense. And I, I you know what? This management has been perfect, in my opinion. They have, almost perfect, but they've they've made the deals that can help this team without sacrificing the future. And I think that's the key f- thing here. Yeah, the one thing I would say that I disagree with is, like, yeah, you don't want to give up too much, so you want to get kind of lower-key talent, like maybe a Taiwan Walker-type guy, but at the same time, like, I don't know, we have a month left in the season, less than that now, but if we go back a few days, let's say a month, that's maybe, like, five starts, six starts for a guy like Ross Stripling, maybe... 10 or 12 appearances out of the bullpen if you're Robbie Ray, if you're sticking in the bullpen, which we don't totally know yet. Um, And that's where I'm kind of like, yeah, you can work on him. And yeah, the Blue Jays are really good at getting this kind of lower key talent and transforming them into top tier talent like Marco Estrada. Um, But you only have a month to do it. And that's the part where there's kind of a disconnect for me. Yeah, I don't know. It's... It's kind of a like it's a weird situation. I feel like if this was a regular f- full season, or if the Blue Jays had higher expectations, I feel like they would have gone out and got uh, more more stable guys. I mean, Taiwan Walker, I think, was the perfect addition. I don't think that anyone would disagree. But the two, like you said, with Ross Stripling and Robbie Ray, I feel like kind of because of the scenario we're in, where the Blue Jays, you know, they're doing well. Nobody really expected that. Uh, and the fact that the season is so short is probably why they made these deals because, you know, if this was the August 31st deadline uh, or July, whatever the trade deadline is, I off the top of my head forgot. But if this was a regular year, they would have, I think, not been more aggressive, but just not really focused on these lower caliber type players. They would have, I think, said, okay, well, you know what, we want to actually be competitive. But I think it's just the weird situation where it's, you know, we weren't supposed to be competitive, but now we are. And it's such a short year where they're just like, okay, we'll see what we have. Uh, if it works out, great. Uh, and they'll just move forward. Yeah. And beyond like the minutia of what we're talking about, like, yeah, I might have small disagree disagreements with like, you know what I said about acquiring rentals, acquiring guys who maybe aren't pitching the best right now. Like, by and large, this was a really good trade deadline. And, like, right now, I'm really excited to be a Blue Jay fan. I'm really excited to watch the game every night. And, you know, normally, you know, as the season goes on through a normal season, I kind of drift in my interest. And I'll, you know, I won't tune into a few games here and there just because, you know, not every game's a gem. And I have a life besides watching baseball. But in this season, I've been glued to the TV and glued to the radio the entire time. So, 
beyond the minutiae, I'm really happy with what they did. And it, it feels really strange to be watching a team that's, you know, pushing and acquiring guys at the deadline. We haven't been able to do this since 2016. It feels really good. Yeah. And this is, you know, I feel like I have to bring this up. But before I do that, I just wanted to say, um, yeah, like what you guys were saying about these pitchers, I just, um, you know, and the, the worst part about it is you don't even know uh, out of Taiwan Walker, Robbie Ray, and even Jonathan VR, who knows if they're even going to be back next year? Who knows even if the Jays are going to express any interest to bring them back? I hope some of them are back. Um, and I hope Taiwan Walker in particular is back. But anyways, what I wanted to ask you guys was, and I feel like, you know, we haven't really brought this up in a bit. I feel like it's the right time to ask after seeing the deadline and seeing how the Jays have performed this season overall. And it's for both of you. And um, I think we've all we've all kind of had different opinions on this or mixed emotions. But the one thing I wanted to ask you guys is, you know, based off of what you're seeing too on your Instagram pages, what has do you think the tide has turned in terms of people hating on Shapiro and Atkins? Has the tide turned? Have you guys started to notice that they are now somewhat gaining support or in 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 particular there's not as many people actually hating on them that the um the haters have kind of disappeared and a lot of people are starting to give them a lot more credit for what they've been doing do you think the tide has turned you know what i think it has honestly i think the problem that people had with them was that the blue jays were not performing as well as uh, the 2015 and 16 team was and even that, even just in person, I have a lot of people that, you know, are casual fans. They're not really into every game. Even if they're doing well, they're just like, yeah, okay, well, I'll support them. And they always say to me, well, they should have re-signed Edwin Encarnacion. They should have kept Bautista. They should have done all these things. Why, you know, why, why was this guy not kept on the team? And I had to keep explaining to them that, you know, they offered Edwin Encarnacion money. Jose Bautista was on a decline, you know, they're all these things that were kind of out of the management's control, even though they were still getting hate for it. And I think, you know, going from being so good to then, you know, it's, it's like weird. They, they were so good. And then 2017, they were so mediocre and then bad for two years. Everybody was kind of like, well, how dare you not go and deplete our farm system again? We want more playoff runs. And I think it just took a bit of time. You know, we saw with uh, Cleveland, how Mark Shapiro was able to turn them into a really good team for a little bit, but I think now that's happening with the Blue Jays, you know, they're saying, okay, well, actually they've developed well, they've hired well, they've signed and traded well, and they're finally starting to realize that, hey, you know, maybe going and acquiring David Price for a bunch of top prospects is not the only way to approach making a team better. And they're starting to see that, you know what, this this uh, plan of acquiring under-the-radar guys and developing internally actually works. And people are starting to actually understand that. They're not, they're starting to say, you know what, this team, is if, if it performs bad and they have a bad game, well, that's more on the players. It's not how dare Mark Shapiro not trade a guy or Ross Atkins not make a move. And it's, I'm definitely happy because I've I've been a supporter of theirs ever since they've uh, joined the Blue Jays and I've always had to defend them. And I'm happy to finally see people saying, you know what, actually, what they did wasn't so bad. Look at how good of a team that we have and hopefully will have for the uh, foreseeable future. Yeah, the tide has definitely changed in terms of, people who follow me and what they think about Shapiro and Atkins. Cause I think it's safe to say the three of us have probably been supportive of them most of the time. Um, but I think a lot of Toronto fans and a lot of just baseball fans or sports fans in general are really, I guess, instinctive and kind of, kind of quick to the punch in terms of their judgment about 
front office about players, um, but it's really paid off for Shapiro and Atkins, and I think people are starting to turn the page in terms of what they think about them, whether that's because you know they see the plan and recognize, yeah, they were building for this in 2017 and 2016 when they kind of blew things up, or whether people are just looking at the success that the Blue Jays are having now and saying, oh, I love it, and not really recognizing the sacrifices before. Regardless, I think people are starting to turn the page. There was a person who commented on one of my posts, they said, where are all the Atkins and Shapiro haters? Y'all sick in bed? Um, just commenting that they've kind of disappeared in recent months, I guess, maybe past two years, if you look at it that way, with all the prospect development. So, yeah, I think it's starting to turn a tide, and rightfully so. Yeah, I started noticing it, or, well, at least, um, I just started noticing it around all of social media, pretty much after the Ryu signing. I think that's when it kind of, uh, I think that's when it really took a big tie, or the ter- it really turned. But you know, it's not it's not really as much as people supporting them. It's just you're seeing less and less people hating on them. And look, I've never been a fan of all of their moves, and I'm I'm one to admit that. But you had to for those you for those who understand, because unfortunately the the other bad part about this is most of the hate came from people who started watching this team in 2015. So in other words, they were not watching. Before the playoff runs, you know, they were watching in the, you know, the maybe the early, early 2010s, unfortunately, when it wasn't, you know, always um, great over here. But the thing was, is you had to understand what they were doing. You had to understand the point of what they were doing. Yes, people, you know, yes, they were pressured uh, to keep fans in the ballpark. But it, it got to a certain point where everything they had put together... They had, you know, they just there was there was really nothing else they could have done because 2017 we know is when it collapsed and they were supposed to be somewhat competitive that year, but it really really fell apart, and then that's when it obviously began. But you know, for those who, because of course there was a few people that I've witnessed too that have kind of always been supporting their moves, which is fair, but most of it has just been people destroying them for any sick particular move that they made, and you're not seeing that anymore. You're not seeing people you know, sucking up to them all the time saying, great move, great move, great move, but which you are, but you're not seeing it as much as people are not commenting hate about it anymore, if that makes sense. So I'm glad that they're starting to um, somewhat gain support. Maybe it's taking a little bit of pressure off of them and maybe they're starting to realize it. I hope so. And, um, you know, the whole part of this was it's just a flat out rebuild and you had to understand what they were doing. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I've just started to know, I, I started noticing it with the reuse signing and even after this deadline, there hasn't been one comment I've seen or anywhere across social media of them absolutely being destroyed for any move they've made. So good on them uh, for you know somewhat starting to win the fans over by showing that they're serious about this team being competitive. And that's something they wanted the fans to know about all this time is that when the, ta- the time came, which would be a few years, uh, maybe 2021, 2022, that they were serious about this team. And I don't know how many fans really believed, uh, believed them at the time. And, um, yeah, I just, it's been a really rough start for them here. I think that's pretty, in terms of fan reaction, I think that's pretty obvious. And I hope that they can start, you know, winning some fan support. And I think they are. And um, it's going to continue to get better just based off the future they have because we've seen it. And, uh, you know, these trades and, um, you know, the even other players who are set to come up in the next few years. So good on them for that. I think it's tough for them because they came in in such a weird uh, situation after 2015 when obviously uh, they made all those deals with uh, Alex Anthopoulos as the manager or the the GM. And they came into this team or 
that is old. I, I believe back in 2017 or 16, they were, um, I think, the oldest team in baseball, something like that, at like 30-something years was their uh, average age. And that's not sustainable. You know, we, as we saw with Bautista, uh, he he started to struggle. Marco Estrada, as much as I love that guy, he, you know, eventually started to struggle. And they had all these issues that they had to deal with. And, and people were just saying, well, how it's your fault that, you know, the 2015 team that was way too old is is now not hitting and some of the guys have gone elsewhere. And it's just, it it's really unfortunate, but, you know, I'm glad that people are finally starting to realize that, hey, you know what, it wasn't the manager's or the, the, the front office's fault that the team wasn't playing well. Maybe it was actually just the players that they just needed to uh, turn the roster over. Yeah, and I don't think the hate for Spiro and Atkins is totally evaporated. There was a comment on one of my posts. I mentioned the comment earlier about all the Spiro and Atkins haters um, falling asleep. And that has mostly been true, but that comment sparked a, I think it's a 32 comment thread of people debating it. So there's certainly people who still think that Spiro and Atkins haven't done the greatest job. There was one guy who commented, um, and, and don't laugh at this, but he really did comment this, we were pretty close to winning World Series a few years ago, and they destroyed the team. They've only now fixed the team to look like the heroes of Toronto. Um, oh, my Lord. A few things. You <laughs> um, started think, watching baseball in 2015. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I think the Blue Jays could have won the World Series in 2015. I don't think they had a shot at it in 2016, and the writing was kind of on the wall. They were losing Edwin Encarnacion, um, you know, Josh Donaldson aging, Jose Bautista a guy who's also aging, production slowing down, Troy Tulowitzki injured all the time, the, the 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 starting rotation not sustainable as as compared to the success they had in 2016. Um, the writing was on the wall. You know, this team was going downhill. No way they would have won a World Series after 2016. Spiro and Atkins just cashed in their chips. They got all the prospects and the success we're seeing now. You can't say that they're trying to be heroes now and rewrite the script when they've been planning this for three or four years. So, yeah, lots of problems with that comment, and clearly the, the haters still exist, but I think we know and, and lots of other baseball and Blue Jay fans realize that, yeah, Shapiro and Atkins, they're really good at what they do. Just look at Cleveland. Like, they've been successful year in, year out. They've built a perennial contender there, and Shapiro and Atkins are doing the same thing here. So uh, I think it's indisputable the the baseball knowledge and the success they have. Sometimes it's not really palatable in terms of trading away big guys, trading for small name guys like Taiwan Walker, um, Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling. But at the same time, it's a recipe for success. So who are we to complain? Exactly. And the one thing too, just the last point is those two Shapiro and Atkins, they are on the same page all the time. And it's very, very good at that. That's the thing I've really I noticed right away when they first came in here. There's no disagreements. There's no rifts. These guys are right on point with each other. They know exactly what they're doing, and there's confidence from both of them, mutual confidence in both of them to turn the ship around. And we're we're starting to see it. And you know we still probably haven't seen the whole thing just yet. It's only going to get better. So the one thing I do like is how good they are with each other. There's no disagreements. They're on the same page all the time. And it's really, really, um, it's good for, you know, all of our, all of us to see that as well. There also just aren't a lot of controversies. Like you look at some other teams around baseball, like 
of course, this is the first team that pops into my head, but the New York Mets, like, <laughs> they're a mess, right? Like, I know their ownership is maybe changing right now, and I don't know the whole situation, but, like, there was a video of a Zoom conference that was left open accidentally, and the, I think it was the general manager was caught on tape um, criticizing Rob Manfred for some of his decisions and what he's trying to do with the players and stuff, and, like, that's just a whole mess. Like the Mets is an organization, just a whole mess. But the Blue Jays, I don't, I can't think of a kind of controversy over the past few years. Maybe Marcus Stroman causing some stuff. I know when he was traded, he causes some controversy. And I mean, there was a thing earlier this year with Randall Grishik and Marcus Stroman, but that's just like the players. I can't really think of any big time controversy that's been caused with these guys. So yeah, I, I, I like them. I, I'm really happy with what they've done with the Blue Jays organization, and I mean, it's only uphill from here. All right, the last topic we wanted to talk about today pertain to some of the on-field woes that we've seen from the Blue Jays. Um, it hasn't been all sunshine and roses for the Blue Jays. They've still been making very, very stupid mistakes, and I mean, I think my mind is changed as to whether the Blue Jays are making the postseason. I think it's pretty much guaranteed at this point that they Yay. are. Um, I mean, <laughs> we I'll, did ex- it. I'll accept that I was wrong. Um, <laughs> but, and, and Jacob and Bryson, you were both right. Um, or I guess Jacob, Jacob yeah, yeah Jacob, Jacob was the yeah. only one that said it. Was, so you can yeah. gloat, you can gloat, Jacob. Yeah, for sure, Jacob. You know, like I said, you were the first one to call it. I started changing tides. Last week, so if you want to call it an asterisk, I'm fine with it because I understand if it doesn't make sense. But credit to you, you were the one that did call it even before those first two weeks where the you know bullpen games were blowing at the base running miscues, even though that's still continuing. But Mark was the last person to still be skeptical. Yeah. I think even last week when we recorded, you were still like that. And I yeah. think I think you mentioned that you wanted to see the deadline before you were even going to consider, I guess, changing your opinion. And I guess you know, I guess you kind of have now. So it's good yeah. news. I've been convinced it's, but like I'm saying, like, yeah, they're doing well. Like they're going to make the postseason, but they're making so many stupid mistakes. Like we mentioned it earlier, Jonathan VR, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Danny Jansen in yesterday's game, or maybe it was Reese McGuire. I'm not sure. He threw down to, yeah, it was Reese McGuire. It was the second game, threw down to second base and the throw was just airmailed. There was no one there, got through to the outfield, the Red Sox score run, they end up winning. Like, very stupid mistakes that make me think, and this is part of the reason why it was such a holdover on the postseason, that this team just isn't very good. Like they, they're still making these oh, these horrible, horrible, stupid mistakes that I just can't explain. And you shouldn't be watching a team, a good team, like we think the Blue Jays are, and have them making the mistakes. And this is why I'm not sure the Blue Jays are as good as they look. I'm still very excited about this season, but I'm very upset about these mistakes, and it's a conversation of whether the Blue Jays should be forming some form of punishment for these guys for making these mistakes. Like, do they bench Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Do they bench Jonathan VR? Do they bench these guys for making base running mistakes? I mean, like, you can't really afford to do that in the middle of a postseason race, can you? Like, let alone, you don't want to see it from a professional baseball team, an MLB, MLB team, Again, I've said this once and I'll say it again. Some of these mistakes they make, like this is something that should be fixed in Little League, like before even college. Like you figured also, you figure if you see this once, 
Like, let's just, like, you know, you're in the dog, you see it once, you figure that you wouldn't, there's no way another person can possibly do the same. And we, we've been, we've experienced that a lot. And, you know, I'll go back to that Miami game, the second game of that two game series, that game, they did not deserve to win that game. And I know there's been other situations where they deserve to win, where they've blown the game, but that game in particular, there was the base running, Jonathan VR, like we mentioned earlier, he tried to stretch a single to center field into a double. Like, I don't know who the heck he thought he was there because, uh, anyways, um, you know, uh, who was it? Rowdy Telez, I think, was hung up too. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a few times. In fact, he's been one who's been, you know, hung up a few times all season. We've seen many miscues from him. Um, even Lourdes Gurriel, he was trying to, you know, he, he hesitated. He ran pretty much halfway to second base and then he went back. You know, like, just, I don't, I, it's, I don't know how a team that is 21 and 17 currently tied with the New York Yankees who have all that firepower and are second in the division, how you're seeing it through, you know, how you're seeing that from them. And they're still in second place. It's crazy to think that a team like that is making these mistakes. And like I said, it's happened all season, which is horrible. And yes, you, you know, anyone can state the obvious and says this needs to stop, but you know, we've been, a lot of people have been saying it and it hasn't stopped. Like I, I just, it's, it's really weird and you know maybe it's cut down a bit but it's still it's still occurring every now and then it's pretty much happening once a series and the other thing is um the other thing is it's just it's something that you know for Charlie Montoyo too it's something like I just feel bad for him for they showed one of the games they showed they glimpsed over to him after one of the mistakes and he was just sitting pretty much not at the um not at the front of the dugout he was sitting at the back um, and he was just sitting there and there was no reaction from him. And I give him credit because of how, you know, how good he was keeping his cool. And he must have just been losing it inside. So I do give him, give him credit for that, for not reacting. Because, of course, you don't want to be caught on TV doing that. But, you know, the it for a team that is probably going to make the playoffs, you know, can you... you, you I, I'm starting to get some sort of... Not PTSD. I'm starting to really get freaked out for... A critical situation in a playoff game, a wild, one of the wild card series, where something like that happens and it costs them the game. You, can you imagine the discussion that would be had from that? You know, an example would be just something on the base path where you're getting picked off, or like Jonathan VR trying to stretch a single to a double. Just, I'm really starting to get freaked out for that possibility, and I really don't want to go down that road. But they they haven't given any hints of stopping it. And uh, in terms of punishments, I mean, I mean, what else? They haven't really done any punishments yet, and maybe they got to start doing that. I'm not sure. Maybe they bench Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for a game, or even wor- even what we saw last year, because Charlie Montoyo has done it before. In particular, last year when he pulled Lord- Lourdes Gurriel Jr. out of the game, and the next day he was sent back to Buffalo. So obviously, you can't really send anybody down now. But if you really want to make a statement, you pull them out mid-game, and that would really get people talking. But who knows if he feels like he should go down that go down that road? The team's in a completely different state, in a competitive state this year, and maybe you just can't do that. Maybe you can't afford to do that. And then maybe you know, there's the other side where maybe it's the only way that you can send a message. But really, a lot of mistakes that is just pretty much very stressful. I, the one thing I give this team is whether they win or lose, they are in it within one run each time. So it's it's not like they're easy wins and it's not like they're relaxing wins because most of them are you're kind of at the edge of your seat just praying something good can happen where they can catch a break and luckily they've caught more breaks this year than uh disappointments but we still have seen a few disappointments this season it's honestly 
it's such a weird thing because like you said they're supposed to be so good and I mean their record is good but watching these games honestly gives me a headache half the time because it's just sitting there smacking my head thinking how are these guys doing this like how 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 as an adult that is paid to play baseball not know that you don't run to second base when the outfielder has the ball and he's gonna throw you out and it's just I said this a couple uh, episodes ago when we were talking about the errors that the Blue Jays were making it's not like these players are brand new to the game of baseball. They're just new to Major League Baseball. It's not like they didn't play as a kid or, you know, they didn't play in college or school. or It's not like they've never stepped on a field or a diamond or anything before. They know how to play baseball. So it's just, it's so confusing how, you know, they can make all these things, errors, and then we can just excuse it because they're young. And I mean, yeah, obviously there's going to be some judgment calls that are, questionable because of their inexperience and that I'm not going to disagree with but it's just some of these things are just things that you should know because you've been playing baseball for so long you know I'm not gonna like I said you know if if you're running to second base or you want to run to second base at least but you see the outfielder has the ball maybe you know take the two steps back and just don't move or even uh, I hate to call this guy out even though he's you know, just been acquired, but VR, that play at third base against Miami, like, how does anybody let that happen? If you, if you were at third base, your foot has to be on that base. And he was just standing still. And one thing, when I used to play, when the the pitcher threw, I I wasn't very good, so I'm not going to say I was (laughs) a major league caliber player, but but (laughs) I I understood how baseball worked. And if the, the pitcher's throwing the ball, you know, I'll take a step towards uh, towards home plate if I'm at third. You know, take a step back once the catcher has it. You know, I'm going to be constantly, you know, jogging within two steps of the base. And anytime the pitcher has the ball, at least my foot's going to be on the bag. And it just, it, it, it's just mind-boggling how these guys who have played baseball, even if they're young to Major League Baseball or new to Major League Baseball, they've still played baseball. And yet they just seem to get outsmarted. Like, it's almost as if the Blue Jays are playing chess and they're just getting destroyed mentally by the other team because they just actually know what they're doing. And it's just, it's it's frustrating because easily, the Blue Jays, uh, I said this again a couple episodes ago, they could easily have had five or six or maybe at this point ten extra wins if they weren't making so many mistakes. And it's just, I, some people want to excuse it and say whatever, they're young or they weren't expected to be good. But, you know, even if you're not expected to be good, you can still play baseball properly. You just, you, you can get beat on the field. But if you lose to yourself because you're making these errors, then it's just so frustrating. Wow. So a chess reference from Jacob. <laughs> and he's a better base runner than Jonathan VR confirmed. <laughs> hey, it sh- I can I can barely run. So let's just get that out of the way. And um, he's got a good vo- vocabulary. He used, uh, what was it, ad nauseum earlier in the episode? I don't think I've ever heard that word in my life. So. <laughs> I've heard it. I've never used it. It's probably the biggest phrase we've ever had, the smartest phrase on this podcast. Anyways, yeah, like, I don't, like you said, Bryson, I, like, I guess I can understand just making these mistakes. Like, I can understand problems with the fundamentals, but what I don't understand is how the Blue Jays are so good and so bad at the same time. Like, how can you be 21 and 17, tied for second place with the New York Yankees of all teams, be pretty much in every single game? I think there's only two games this season that the Blue Jays haven't been leading, tied, or had the tying runner at the plate in the ninth inning. 
I think that's the, the stat. There's only two games that that hasn't happened all season. And yet, they make these stupid mistakes. Like, I don't understand how those two go together. How you can have these stupid base running mistakes in this team that actually has a good record and is competitive in every game on the same team. Like, I don't... Uh, it's mind-boggling how you can have that on the same team and still be making these mistakes after months and months. I, I just don't get it. It's a love-hate relationship. Yeah. It's a love-hate relationship. It's very confusing. Um, and then at the same time, you also have problems with the manager. And I know we've talked about this before, but Charlie Montoyo under fire again um, for the decision he made last night. The game was 3-2, I think. I think it was the bottom of the sixth, I want to say, against the Red Sox. The Blue Jays had the bases loaded, two outs, and Derek Fisher's up to bat. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is on the bench, and Fisher stays in. He's not pinch hit for. They keep Fisher in the game. And then in the seventh inning, bottom of the seventh, that's when Charlie Montoyo pinch hits with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And then after the game, when he's asked about it, he says that, I don't know, they just they thought that Fisher was going to hit a home run today or something wild. Like, I I don't understand. Like, uh, how can, and yet the Blue Jays, they're 21 and 17. Like, they have a 90% chance of making the postseason. Like, yeah. Uh, there was another one, too, where um, it was five days ago against in the Orioles series when they when Chase Anderson was pulled after um, it was five or six innings. And pretty much, uh, I think I think the, the lead went away that next inning. I think Wilmer Font came in. I think Buck Martinez was the one to call out Charlie Montoyo saying, you know, I understand there's a pitch count and you don't want Chase Anderson in particular, or in this situation, uh, going through the Orioles for a third straight time. But, you know, sometimes you need to follow your eyes. And in that start, Chase Anderson had no signs of fatigue, no signs of struggling, and the Orioles were flat out just being shut down by him. And of course, the next inning when Anderson gets pulled for no, you know, no apparent reason until we found out he was on a pitch count, they tied the game. So I don't know, just little things like that where Montoya has been under fire for it. But, you know, and then again, last night, like you said, people are calling him out. Like, why is Derek Fisher hitting with the bases loaded? It just doesn't make sense. But uh, I, I don't know, you know, it, we, it has, it has been a heavy topic this year and it's, he's definitely getting a lot of, um, he's, it, it, I'm definitely seeing it a lot on social media as well. So, yeah, it's, it's mind boggling. And yet at the same time, the Blue Jays are almost certainly going to make the postseason. Um, I think if we're taking predictions now, maybe this should be a whole other podcast, but I don't think they're going to get very far in the postseason if they're getting, going against tough teams and making a lot of mistakes. Uh, but I don't know. Well, we'll save that topic for next week. See where the Blue Jays are then. But until then, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. As always, you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, and you can stay up to date with everything we're doing by following at Section138Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, until next week, stay safe and we'll catch you next week.